Today is April 12th, 2022, and according to one source, it's National Grilled Cheese Day, National Licorice Day, and National Big Wind Day. April 12th is also commemorated across the world as Yuri's Night, marking the day in 1961 that the first person was sent into space. There have been 22,280 days since then, and this is yet another one of them. This is also another installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement, about absolutely none of the above, except maybe the big wind. After all, I am your host, Sean Tubbs. On today's program, the Virginia Department of Transportation always wants you to drive slowly through work zones, but this is the week they really want you to be aware. Charlottesville responds to a lawsuit seeking the nullification of the comprehensive plan. The local food hub will pause drive-through markets, and the Charlottesville City Council will vote tonight on a one-cent increase in the real estate tax rate. In today's first subscriber-supported shout-out, two upcoming history programs. Tonight at 7 p.m., a multitude of groups are hosting Dr. Ann C. Bailey as she presents "Remembering the Victims of Charlottesville: The Healing of Charlottesville and a New Way Forward." The in-person registration is full for this remembrance of slave auctions in Albemarle County, but there's still room on Facebook Live. On Thursday at 7 p.m., the Albemarle Charlottesville Historical Society will host Regina Rush as she tells the story of her family's journey from enforced servitude in Nelson County to becoming landowners in Albemarle County. After a quarter century of research, she's published Rushes of Chestnut Grove: One Family's Journey from Slavery to Freedom. This event is on Zoom or Facebook Live. You can click on links in the newsletter. The city of Charlottesville has responded in Charlottesville Circuit Court to a lawsuit filed in December by anonymous property owners seeking to void the comprehensive plan adopted by city council last November. The plaintiffs assert the city did not follow state code, resulting in a plan that is not general in nature and that failed to present a transportation plan to support new density allowed under the plan. The city has filed two responses on April 7th, including one requesting the court order the identities of the plaintiffs to be revealed. The other is a demur which argues the plaintiffs have no right or legal basis on which to have filed their case. Here's a section from the demur. Plaintiffs have no express right of action under Virginia Code 15.2-2223 to challenge the sufficiency of the comprehensive plan. The city's response goes on to state that localities have the legal requirement to designate land use categories and that the General Assembly has given leeway for localities to do so. The response argues that the comprehensive plan is a different process than updating the zoning ordinance, which is currently underway. Here's more from the response. The adoption of the comprehensive plan did not and cannot change the zoning district classification of any of the plaintiff properties. The second motion to request identification argues that the plaintiffs have not given sufficient reason for why their identities should be protected. Here's a section from that motion. Upon information and beliefs, plaintiffs wish to proceed anonymously to avoid potential embarrassment or public criticism for opposing increased residential density and more types and units of housing affordable to low and moderate income persons within their neighborhoods. 
The city's attorney's office had no comment. The next step is for the matter to go to scheduling between the judge and the parties. Two years ago, the pandemic shut down much of the economy as people avoided direct contact with each other to stop the spread of a novel virus. The state of emergency was declared at the same time farmers and other agricultural providers were getting ready for market season, but in-person markets were banned to avoid places where people could congregate. Soon after, the local food hub sprang into action and organized a drive through market at the site of the former Kmart, as reported in the March 25, 2020 edition of the Charlottesville Quarantine Report. Here's Portia Boggs of the local food hub from 25 months ago. A local food hub is taking measures to ensure that family farmers in Virginia stay afloat during the COVID-19 pandemic and that emergency feeding efforts in Charlottesville include... Things are now a little different. Here's a post from the local food hub's Facebook page from this weekend. Over the past two years, we've operated 150-plus markets, facilitated over a million dollars in sales, partnered with dozens of vendors, and served hundreds of community members. Two years later, as market season begins again, they're planning to temporarily stop these events. As the world has reopened, and along with it, more opportunity for in-person walk-up markets, a drive through pre-order market doesn't currently best meet the needs of vendors or customers. The local food hub plans to relaunch the drive through markets in the fall, or if another wave of COVID causes a return to social distancing. Last year, the number of vehicular fatalities that occurred in work zones in Virginia increased to 28, up from 11 in 2020. This week, the Virginia Department of Transportation and similar agencies across the United States are marking Work Zone Awareness Week to remind motorists to slow down when traveling through road construction sites or repairs. VDOT has been doing this every year since 1997 as a way to protect the thousands of people who work within close proximity of speeding throngs of vehicles. The week kicks off today with a tour of the Hampton Roads Bridge Tunnel expansion project, which will see a total of four more lanes built at a cost of $3.8 billion. On Wednesday, people are asked to wear orange and post pictures on social media with the hashtag GoOrangeDay. On Friday, there is a moment of silence at 10 a.m. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement and in today's second Patreon-fueled shout-out, the last call for the Rivanna Conservation Alliance, who want wildlife and nature photographers to enter their first-ever photography contest. They want high-resolution photos related to the Rivana watershed, and the winning entries will be displayed at the 2022 Riverfest celebration on May 1st. The two categories are 16 and under, and those under the age of 17. You have until April 18th to send in up to two entries, and the work might be used to supplement Rivana Conservation Alliance publications. For more information, visit rivanna.river.org. And don't forget, Riverfest starts on April 22nd with a big celebration at the Rivanna River Company on May 1st. One more segment today, and it's about something happening tonight. 
Charlottesville City Council will adopt a nearly $212.9 million budget for fiscal year 23 this evening. That includes a real estate tax increase for the first time in decades. The personal property tax rate will remain at $4.20 per $100 of assessed value, and there will be a half percent increase in the meals tax. Here's City Councilor Brian Pinkston. The reason we're trying to you know, raise revenue is, in my mind, is to invest in long-term capital projects, which I think will benefit school children for decades. Pinkston made his comments toward the end of an April 7th budget work session. The budget also anticipates using over $12 million in budget surpluses for the current fiscal year to cover the cost of additional spending. The five members of City Council stated their positions on the budget and the tax rates at a budget work session on Thursday, April 7th. They had previously met on March 31st, April 1st, and April 2nd and gave direction to City Manager Michael C. Rogers via email in preparation for that final work session. Here's Charlottesville Mayor Lloyd Snook. Uh, The city manager had circulated a spreadsheet that we were able to uh, feed back to the city manager what our our thoughts were on the various decision points that we had had to, to confront tonight. On March 31st, councilors were told of an anticipated $12.4 million surplus in the current fiscal year that might yield enough funding to cover the budget that interim city manager Michael C. Rogers had recommended in early March without raising any taxes. That would also require the spending of $11.433 million that has been in a capital contingency fund. On April 7th, Snook said one of the decisions before council was whether they wanted to fund items not in Rogers' recommended budget. These include additional funding for Charlottesville area transit, more funds to address homelessness, city funding for a sidewalk on Stribling, and nearly $5 million for the Piedmont Housing Alliance for two separate projects. And one of the decision points that I think we will need to make tonight is are some of these things where we ought to say we're, we're, we're waiting for a plan, but we have enough in mind that we think we can at least put a ballpark figure on it and let's figure out a plan. In February, council had authorized the advertisement of a 10 cent increase in the real estate tax rate to cover the costs of debt service associated with more capital spending, including $75 million for renovations at Buford Middle School associated with school reconfiguration. That action did not obligate them to actually increasing the tax, but did provide a ceiling. During a series of work sessions in March, staff suggested the surplus could be used, but the actual number won't be known until this upcoming December. We can look with some certainty and and feel pretty good that at least most of that is going to be real surplus. Now, you never want to catch chickens for you for the hatch. But maybe some of these chickens are, 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 are close enough to being hatched. Remember, we're three quarters of the year through the fis- three quarters of the way through the fiscal year. The budget includes a three percent raise for all city employees effective July 1st, full funding of the school board's request for operating funds and several new administrative positions. Here's interim city manager Michael C. Rogers. And uh, in the overall scheme of things, We are uh, uh, also funding the school reconfiguration project through our CIP at a $68.8 million uh, level. 
The school board is comfortable with that amount, which is based on their use of funding from the American Rescue Plan Act to contribute to the project. The city council agreed to float $54 million in bonds to contribute to the project's cost. For most of the session on April 7th, council went line by line through a spreadsheet to see if they supported various changes in the fiscal year 23 budget that is going to start on July 1st. They supported an additional $55,000.514 for an upgrade to the position of housing coordinator, an additional $81,355 to hire an additional buyer, $300,000 in additional funding for the Office of Equity and Inclusion for support for team members, such as a community health worker, to help find homes for unhoused individuals. Nearly $61,000 for an additional person in the Commissioner of Revenue's office, $150,000 for climate action planning, $175,000 in additional capacity for affordable housing initiatives, $100,000 to contribute to the city's exploration of the creation of a Marcus Alert system, $250,000 in additional support for real estate tax relief efforts, $325,000 for the Public Works Department to hire engineers, $20,000 to pay the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority for the payment in lieu of taxes they are required to pay the city, and $25,000 in additional funds for tree planting per a request from the Tree Commission. Council agreed to consider the use of fiscal year 22 surplus funds for the following purposes, but there will be further discussions before action would happen on any of these later this calendar year. $150,000 to replace software used by the Department of Social Services for foster care. $100,000 for software for procurement. A million dollars to purchase two new buses to ensure more service on Route 6. An additional $2 million for Charlottesville Area Transit to help get more routes to 30-minute service. $2.1 million to cover the costs of 15 firefighters once a federal grant paying for those firefighters expires in March of 2024. The setting aside, potentially, of a million dollars for a fund to be used at the discretion of the next city manager, with consultation from council. And potentially $700,000 for a third section of the Meadow Creek Trail. Now let's go back to that $11.433 million in the Capital Improvement Contingency Fund. The council has agreed to potentially commit that to two projects, $6.7 million for school reconfiguration and $4.733 million for two Piedmont Housing Alliance projects on Park Street. Final decisions on those will take place later this year. A work session on April 18th will further flesh out how the $150,000 for climate action planning would be spent. Deputy City Manager Sam Sanders explained some potential uses. Home energy audits is something that we're doing right now. We could increase those and do more. um, The next item would be a pilot streetlight conversion. It would be to test the notion of what we can do with the lighting choices that we are making in the streetlight section. Sanders said other options would be a supplement to be paid to community members who choose electric vehicles, incentivizing solar installations, and initiatives that may come out of an ongoing study of fuel alternatives for Charlottesville area transit, as well as school pupil transportation. As for the funding for public works, Sanders said the funding would go to help increase capacity to allow for projects in the capital improvement plan to move forward. 
We need um, just project management capacity period. We need more hands to do the projects that we currently have in our, in our inventory. We need a project manager dedicated to ADA. We are not doing a good job in the ADA space. We know this. We've known this for quite some time. Councillor Cena McGill said this topic has come up in her conversations in Washington, D.C. to try to secure money from federal sources. It was made very clear that we have to have our house in order to apply for this stuff. Sanders said there will be another work session coming out of the city's relationship with the Virginia Department of Transportation. Uh, In the very near future, we're headed into a facilitated conversation with our district to look at rebooting the size and operations as they exist today. It will call for actually potentially canceling projects, turning some projects over to VDOT and the team keeping some other projects. Sanders said the city is not ready to take advantage of any future infrastructure funding because of a poor record in delivering what has already been funded. Toward the end of the April 7th work session, council also discussed potentially increasing tax rates. Here's how some of that conversation went. Councilor Brian Pinkston supported a one-cent increase in the tax rate, which would add $925,000 to the budget for fiscal year 23 for additional spending. He also supported a half percent increase in the meals tax. And I just I think it's time for us to position the city for the future. Maybe we could add another penny every year or two. Pinkston initially said he would support a reduction in the personal property tax rate, but changed his mind. Councillor McGill did not support that reduction in the personal property tax rate, and she also supported a one-cent increase in the real estate tax to avoid relying on the surplus. One-cent real estate tax that goes straight into a fund solely to support the schools. McGill did not support an increase in the meals tax. Vice Mayor Juan Diego Wade supported a one-cent increase in the real estate tax rate, a reduction in the personal property tax rate, and a half-percent increase in the meals tax. City Councilor Michael Payne said he would support a three-cent increase in the real estate tax rate to apply to future capital spending. And I think we should just get it over with now and be making a down payment on being able to afford what we've said we're committed to but haven't yet planned to fund. Payne said he supported keeping the personal property tax rate at $4.20 per $100 of assessed value, as well as increasing the meals tax. Charlottesville Mayor Lloyd Snook said he did not support an increase in the real estate tax rate, given the sense that real property assessments will continue to increase. What I've seen of the real estate market so far in 2022 is that it hadn't slackened any since 2021. However, four councillors did agree to the one-cent increase, and that's what will happen tonight. Will there be any changes or surprises tonight at 5.30? Stay tuned. And that is it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement for April 12th, 2022. I've got to get this one out quickly so it's still fresh and relevant. Uh, And of course, so I can get to start baking the next one. This, of course, is a process I do pretty much every day. And I'm really grateful to those who are supporting it. And that includes the person who does the music. There is an anonymous person who does this music. And um, I really, not what you're listening to now. I did the one you're listening to now years ago. and I'm just on the shelf. But there's another person who does all the instrumental music that you hear across the program. I really am grateful 
grateful for that person. And I'm grateful to all of the people who are subscribing through Substack because every time someone contributes through Substack, Ting, the company Ting, the you know, the internet company Ting, they do broadband, they will match uh, that initial payment through Substack, which is a fantastic way to support Town Crier Productions, which, of course, is the company that I have formed to do all of this work. I am Sean Tubbs, the host of this program, and I will be back in the near future with another installment. Thank you very much, and goodbye, and stay informed. <laughs>